Hey, and we're back today with a new episode of Befriend Your Mind. Hi, my name is Kirti. For those of you who are new and joining us, get ready for our next speaker. So grab a cup of tea, a coffee, and let's get ready to dive into this week's episode. Would you like to start off and just share a little bit about yourself to the audience? Yeah, so I'm Nicole, based in London. I work at Google at the moment. I have been there for six years now. And aside from my day role, which is, my title is that I'm an administrative business partner, which means I support different directors, organizing meetings, events. Um, So that's my core role. But aside from that, I'm a facilitator of a workshop uh, called Being Inclusive of Introverts. I've always had an interest in psychology. I studied that at university. And now I'm glad that I can talk about this aspect of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. I think that's how we we met as well. And we got started talking about this introversion. Um, I say this introversion because it's a subject I've never really approached. I've approached it, but never with labels. So I just thought, oh, this is a good conversation to have, um, especially in the public speaking and presentations and career. I thought, mm, this is a subject worth sharing. And mm. for me to get to know, my first thought that comes to mind is, how did you get into that? How did you, what made you say, I'm going to give a workshop like this? Mm. So at Google, there's a big focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion which is DEI. And so you have lots of different interest groups and employee resource groups, they're called ERGs. And each one is focused on a different aspect of diversity characteristics. For example, uh, there's the Black Googlers Network, Asian Googlers Network, um, there's the Disability Alliance, there's Gregler uh, as well, and that's for people who are a bit older and want to raise awareness on that type of uh, diversity and any biases which may exist. Um, So, yeah, they're interest groups, but more, it's like a group of employees coming together and raising awareness on a subject and a type of diversity, diversity. And with introversion, how that came about, so we aren't an official employee resource group or anything, but maybe one day we will be, but... (laughs) We've just started a few years ago, actually, my colleagues started a workshop on uh, exactly with that title, Being Inclusive of Introverts. And since then, a few thousands of Googlers have been trained and done this workshop, which is like an interactive workshop where we talk about the subject and there's discussion on ways to be more inclusive and for people with different ways of processing information and communicating and making sure that we just put some light on this Uh, type of diversity which isn't spoken about as much as it should be so hopefully other companies might also see this and think oh actually maybe we should include this in our diversity and inclusion stuff so i have a question why is it not spoken enough or why do you feel it's not why do you feel it's not spoken enough yeah so that's a great question so around different websites and different blogs they have different statistics, but around 30 to 50% of people are introverts. That's a high number. 
Yeah, and many people you might not know that they're an introvert because uh, they may feel that they need to present as an extrovert in order to feel valued and accepted in the workplace. So often introverts from a young age are said are told things like, oh, you should come out of your shell, especially as children, quieter children hear that a lot. And when they come into the workplace, often they're told, you need to participate more in meetings, you're too quiet, you need to build presence and more, have more visibility in order to be promoted and noticed and hired and all these things. So it really makes introverts feel that if they're naturally introverted, maybe they need to change in order to be successful career-wise, which is a true shame because introverts, extroverts, you know, we all have our different superpowers. It's not that one is better than the other. It's more just we need to be more accepting and allow introverts to use their natural superpowers and strengths. Okay, so I have two thoughts that come to mind. And hopefully you can shed light because, like I said, sometimes I under I feel like I'm, I'm personally, I, I need my restore, restoring time because I'm out there. I speak a lot to people and in the public face but then I do need that restoration time so I completely need to recharge and that's where I've always thought especially with Susan Cain's book that the recharging is necessary so but I never found myself either introverted or extroverted going down to the two things you just shared the two questions I'm always asking myself is how do you recognize the difference between being shy and introversion, if there's such a thing, or also when you when you think you're an introvert, but actually it could be your silence or you sitting back is because you're more afraid to show up. So there's, you know, there's like a spectrum of differences. That's one one subject I would love you to share and at least share to, you know, enlighten me on this one, because I'm always thinking about this. And the second question I always ask is, okay. I understand when, for example, this morning I read in Bloomberg, um, the Gen Z workers are now seeking lower stress jobs over the hustle. So there's that hustle culture, you know, be present, show up, speak up. The second thing I would love to cover is if you, you know, if you're not seen also or not heard and in a culture where hard work is also leads to stress how do introverts then show up to allow themselves to grow in their career as well so those are my two questions wow great yeah lots of great things to unpack there so I'll start at the beginning so you mentioned shyness and how is that different to introversion so this is a question we get asked quite often and many times people think that they must be the same thing usually the person might retreat or go and away from the crowd when if they're an introvert or if they're shy so it might look like the same thing from the outside but actually shyness is more related to a fear of external judgment so there's more anxiety and fear attached to it like oh i'm worried about how others will perceive me there's more stress and it's an un- it's an uncomfortable feeling but introversion is more <clears throat> that you may just want some time by yourself to recharge your batteries after a busy day or just some time to think about something. 
for example, after a meeting, if you were presented with many ideas, you might just want to have some quiet time, for example, to process everything. So yeah, they are quite different. But you may have, uh, like, for example, an, a shy extrovert or a non-shy introvert. So yeah, you're not shy people are not always introverts. You can also have extroverts or shy. As well. So how can you invite someone to, if they're listening to this podcast, to discern between the shyness and when it's introversion? What would be the one, besides saying, okay, it's about how in shyness, it's about not worried about how people are going to perceive you. And introversion is about having the ability to process, restore, and then communicate, right? So let's say you're now placed under pressure at work in a meeting and you have to make decisions really quickly and these are you know high-end high risk maybe um, decisions how then would an introvert function and discern it from the shyness yeah so I think it's interesting I think to be able with your first point there like how can you tell if someone is shy or an introvert I think there's lots of things that could be done um, I think just getting to know the person more, if they can share their, like, just what they're feeling with you or, you know, or if they, if there's a big group meeting and they've been asked to present in front of a big group, but they're just asking how they're feeling about that and that type of thing. Or if they would prefer to share their work another way. Not everything needs to be a big group meeting where they might feel overwhelmed, but maybe it could be sharing your work through a newsletter and then that way you still get the same visibility doesn't need to be standing up in front of a group all the time so that's something that you can offer them or having more recognition for example could be another way to get someone visibility so rewarding their work at google we have something called a peer bonus so you can send a colleague a thanks a g thanks it's called google thanks i think <laughs> and but it means that that person gets a hundred pounds sent to them and you can write them a nice message and then you can CC whoever you want in that message to say thanks for something. So that's another way that people can be noticed as well for their quieter but impactful contributions. And I think your other point there was uh, in a high impact, high stress environment. Not stress. In a, you know when you're in a meeting and you have to make a decision, it's a short term decision, mm. but it's high risk. And in that moment, there's no going away thinking about it. You've got mm. to make that decision in the moment. Then what? Yeah, so that's something that comes up also a lot in our workshops. It's quite interesting because introverts prefer to think, to speak, whereas extroverts speak to think. So extroverts are quite happy bouncing around ideas and chatting through things, process thinking out loud and sharing their what their, what's on their mind as it's coming into their head, whereas introverts may need that quiet time, the processing time. So in those situations where you need to make a decision quickly on something, it would always help if you can give some, you know, like a little heads up to the introvert or to everyone. I think it would help, like all of these practices to be more inclusive of introverts generally just help everyone. So things like sending around pre-reads or agendas before a meeting and saying, look, we need to make a decision on this thing in this meeting. Please have a think about it beforehand, if possible. Has that been tested and tried? Because I know when I speak to, sometimes I speak to executives, they go, 
I don't have time for this. You know, that happens and you go, oh, okay. What then? That's a good point. Even if you can build in moments to think during the meeting, like say, okay, I'm going to give you all five minutes just to read through this document or process everything in this meeting and then we need everyone to go, let's go around the table afterwards and share what your decision is or something like that. So don't be afraid of pauses in meetings and silences. Let people talk, um, think, and also, yeah, let people chime in if they want to. So pause, let there be breaks in the conversation. The facilitator of the meeting, it's good practice to pause every so often. If you haven't heard from some people in the room, you might just pause so every so often and say, would anyone else like to share something? You know, to mm. allow people to come into the conversation if they want. There's another thing that just jumped to my mind with that. It's only because, you know, like you said, when we speak about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you cannot not bring in the conversation of also cultural, multi-ethnic communities. And in multi-ethnic communities, there's always also the role of, of um, let's say, from gender-based, if you'd say gender of female and male, some, some cultures prefer females to be less spoken. Or if your position, if you talk about social status or your status hierarchy in the business, the those who are more senior have more to say than those less. How do you, do you navigate as an introvert through all those layers? And does it affect, does culture play an influence, multi-ethnic um, culture play an influence also on introversion? Or is that separate? Am I leading it off? Yeah, there's definitely a link there. So I think it's a great topic. In Susan Cain's book, Quiet, she also has, I think, a whole chapter on the impact of culture. She really focuses on that as well. And when she talks about the extrovert ideal, so this thing that exists mostly in Western cultures, she says, where the extrovert, the, the ideal self is someone who's extroverted, comfortable in the spotlight, bold. And, and, and she says that introversion has been is seen as something between a disappointment and a pathology, she says. So she really says that, uh, especially in Western cultures, there's this negative perception of introversion. So it's really interesting because she also says things like in Eastern Asian culture, and she specifically said Eastern Asia, and maybe some some other places around the world, like Northern Europe, or, you know, I think she, she says it in her book, but... Um, she says that in some places there's more of an, an there's more of an ex- acceptance of introversion as a way of being. So things like listening to other people's opinions first before sharing their own. Big focus on active listening, not going against the group decision. But so there's more more we instead of me. <laughs> and I think maybe if you grow up in that type of environment you may find it harder to conform to that extrovert ideal and try and if you then either move country to a more, let's say to America or somewhere you may have a bit of an adjustment period maybe where you might feel that, for example, maybe I think in America there's more of an emphasis on the importance of public speaking from a young age and things like drama schools and going on stage and presenting yourself and talking about how your day was every day. And 
talking about what you achieved and yeah, focusing on your achievements at school as well. I think that's also something that's, I think is more of a, you know, in some cultures they do that more than others. So then from a young age, they will encourage children to explain, you know, to celebrate their great work. Whereas in other cultures, they may not put them on the stage and have award ceremonies. And so when it comes to the workplace, then when you then need to write a whole self-assessment on all the things you've achieved that quarter in order to be uh, like looked at for whether you're, you can be promoted or not. Like it can be difficult maybe for some people to self-promote. And I think that's also something that introverts struggle with a lot, talking about your achievements, which can then be a problem for like, Oh, are they, are their achievements recognized as much if they're, not as vocal about it and they don't share their work more widely in the in, in an interview setting maybe extroverts who may be able to come up with things a bit like think on their feet more in an interview maybe they can share sharper answers in an interview setting whereas introverts may just need some time you know when you're presented with surprise questions and things and you have to talk about yourself maybe Maybe an interview setting is not the most inclusive environment for an introvert to really share their as a true reflection. So what would you recommend instead? Yeah, I think if it's possible to show a portfolio of your work, like real examples of your work, instead of just focusing on just the interview performance, that would be great to really show your actual impacts that you've, you know. And I think as a interviewer things that you could do to make things more inclusive things like telling the interviewee that they can write things down on paper if they want to process their thoughts they can write down a question like take their time don't make sure they don't feel rushed in the interview things like that to just help them feel more relaxed and collect their thoughts not feel the time pressure so much so may i ask you a personal question how did you go to your interviewing process was it like? Yeah. So I think as much preparation as possible, it just helped me a lot. Like I would, I wrote down a lot of like on paper, like possible questions, wrote down possible answers. I studied my CV in great detail. And because I realized that Google likes to ask questions, like tell me about a time where you turned a situation around and made it go, you know, like tell me about Lots of tell me about times, um, yeah, like where you've done something great. So I, I really studied my CV and I thought, okay, so I remember when I was at university, I organized an event and I didn't have that many people attending. So I went to other universities to hand out my leaflets. And that was like an example of where I was proactive and I thought about other solutions. So they really liked that. So I came to, yeah, I just came prepared with lots of examples. And it was okay in the end because I think I just studied a long time for it um, and it was face to face which was interesting because um, when you're at home if you do it virtually maybe that could be less scary for people because um, then you can have more notes and post-its and <laughs> when you said you were preparing a lot that's also very energy consuming right is there any imposter syndrome that shows up along the way and what does that because I always find it does 
that's another one where I've always wondered about the link, if there is such a link between the two. Yeah, so I think there is a link. Introverts may possibly be more prone to imposter syndrome, I think, because of their qualities like introspection, analyzing, overthinking things, spending time alone, they might then think more about things. Yeah, but I should be careful. I shouldn't say spending time alone all the time, because I think that's like a common stereotype of introverts, that introverts just spend all their time alone. But that's not the case. It's more just needing to recharge your batteries after a day of lots of external stimulation, lots of people, lots of things going on. It's, of course, introverts also like social interaction. It's not that we live under a rock. Um, yeah, so... You did mention the word overthinking because I always mm. I, I I'm always observing, especially when I'm sharing um, befriend your mind with clients. Um, one of the things is breaking the over overthinking habit. It always seems like there's this I want to make my best impression put forward. Can that sometimes in terms of self promoting themselves in moving the narrative forward? What suggestions do you have to break the overthinking pattern? And not get caught in the spiral of, I I personally believe that imposter syndrome is not something you can fix. It's some self-doubts are naturally to arise. And that's why overthinking has its value. But when do you snip it? When do you say, that's it? And then shift the narrative to be active as you were, um, for example, in your career. Yeah, I think this is really important. It has a huge impact on well-being as well, your day-to-day, how you feel, has an impact on your health as well, as if you constantly are feeling bad and that leads to stress and and negatively impacts your health in general, not just your mental health. How do you cut that cycle of overthinking and imposter syndrome and everything? I would say focus on your superpowers. Everyone has superpowers. Remind yourself of why, why am I here? Why am I, let's say, because we talk about imposter syndrome at Google quite a lot because many people apply to Google and most people don't get into Google, that type of thing. So this is like a subject internally. And I think there's also a workshop on fighting imposter syndrome. I'm not, I'm not sure if I've attended it, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so reminding yourself of your what you bring to the table, your your skills, you were hired here for a reason. There's a reason why you're around and you've been, yeah. So focusing on that and I think that's the main thing really. When it comes to, so I know you said fighting imposter syndrome. I went, oh, okay, you can't, when you fight it, you create more resistance. That's what there's always, more resistance leads to always more shutting down. That's when I feel you move into shyness if I've got this correct, you know. But then it goes back to this. Yes, we live in a hustle culture, which is now coming to realize that they're exhausted because the over-hustling is there. And then there is this mass amount of showing up online on social media where you shared, you said, okay, we'll do a portfolio. And so now moving into networking, face-to-face. When you go to a network, for example, for me, when I go to a network, I cannot handle the fact that I'm supposed to babble to babble. I don't like pitching because I find it, why am I pitching right away? I always like to know the person first. Those who have introversion qualities, and I know you said superpowers, 
But is there also not something beautiful about sh- sharing your weakness as it's become a superpower, especially in networking? I think introverts are seen as not being very good at networking. And I think this also comes to sales as well, sales skills. When like internally at Google, sometimes they're like, oh, um, I'm an introvert and I'm in sales and my manager is sending me on these courses to try and improve my skills and I don't feel like I'm accepted and because you know when you're constantly being in front of others and that type of thing I think but there's something great about introverts in those settings in networking selling and in front of people where they can really build deep one-to-one connections really listen to the other person's needs they can create tape like when you think about sales for example at google um they can really create tailored solutions packages for that customer by really listening to them focusing on them so that's like one example of the superpowers i was talking about although they may not feel comfortable presenting a big idea you know or maybe they will if they introverts also can be confident presenters as well i'm not saying that they're not especially if they are really passionate about the subject they can definitely be a great presenter in front of a group so in terms of networking in so coming back to your question exactly what would i suggest in those situations well you can if you're nervous about attending like a networking event maybe come with a friend who maybe feels more comfortable and so that can help you as well be introduced to people instead of you approaching them directly it could be a bit nerve-wracking to do that and yeah focus on your strengths to create great meaningful deep connections with people and maintain them afterwards as well i have a question well this is where i want to brainstorm with you before we we close up for today i always believe in give and take so let's say extroversions and introversions in a room in networking where is the giving and the taking for both what would be ideal so in terms of communicating because not always extroversions can capture want to be able to meet an introversion halfway and an introversion to extroversion halfway because there can be very different and i always think of them on a spectrum so you i don't think you're extremely introvert or extremely extrovert extrovert maybe i'm wrong but that's how i see it so where do extroverted natures and introverted natures find their balance to communicate like a nice in the middle what would be that what tips could you offer i think just getting to know your colleagues better so for example in my company what we did was each person had a presentation slide one slide and it was like a full presentation deck loads of everyone's slides all in there so on each person's slide they each person wrote about them so what i like what i don't like things you should know about me people could also add their myers briggs type indicator as well which you can get for free on 16personalities.com so i've done that test and i've shared it around with my colleagues that's 16personalities.com it's really good so i'm infj and then people should share their things as well and at google also we've done something called strengths finder so you come up so you have different colors that you oh no 
No, that's insights color testing I'm talking about. And then there's also strengths finder where you have like four or five, I think, strengths that come out of that test. So restorative, this, that. So it can really, yeah, spark up the conversation. So those tests, I quite like them because then you can have like a session with your colleagues and just like have a chat and talk through each other's strengths and things. And it can be a good conversation starter. And I think especially for introverts, like we might find it hard to do small talk. So if I'm thrown into like a chat with my colleagues and they're like, oh, just talk about yourself, you know, and it's very broad and open. And I'm like, oh, no, what do I talk about? But if there's something like my MBTI profile or strengths and things, that could be a really nice way, like a subject in particular. Yeah. Um, oh, so you were saying how can introverts and extroverts just meet each other halfway and learn about each other? Mm. So I think just learning more about the subject has really helped me, for example. Um, like learning why my extroverted colleague sitting next to me would talk to herself a lot, talk through ideas by herself while sitting next to me. I thought maybe she wanted to start a conversation with me or, you know, like maybe she was distracting me. And I was, you know, before I understood that, oh, this is what extroverts do. They just want to like talk through things and that helps them come to a conclusion. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's just kind of more acceptance and understanding because it works both ways. We just need to understand each other more and, and Maybe if an extrovert understands that, oh, Nicole is a bit quieter in a meeting, but maybe she's just thinking things through. And maybe if maybe we can catch up one to one after if it's like a big group meeting, and I didn't feel comfortable sharing in that moment. That, oh, we'll just catch up one to one after or maybe I'll send around a document and capture, you know, write things down as summary or something. Maybe we can collaborate asynchronously in a document where everyone can just jot down their thoughts and introverts me feel like they may like the opportunity to express themselves through writing not always speaking so i like this thing that we say in our workshop the loudest ideas are not always the best ideas so how can you like hear from everyone and make sure that everyone feels included in the conversation and it doesn't just have to be a verbal conversation it can be a continued conversation if it's a meeting it can be continued on writing or it can you could save a lot of meeting time just by collecting ideas through a document and then um, discussing afterwards. Or yeah, the, lots of different things to do and think about and challenging the um, traditional way of coming up with ideas, which is simply just meetings. And I think especially now, as you mentioned, with the low stress jobs and the hustle culture is coming to an end, less people are going into offices, more people are doing work from their laptops or at home, or that type of thing. So it's interesting how that's changed the dynamics a bit more. There's more things going on on social media and expressing yourself online. But isn't that something also maybe it's to think about, or I, I find myself wondering about that. We use a lot of devices and we're writing a lot. Are we also not avoiding the discomfort of speaking in our differences to each other? Does that then play a, a big question mark or a, or a, something to, to reflect on and how we are moving now after COVID? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's interesting. You're saying that because things are more online, we are avoiding talking about talking through our differences. Mm, 
it's a great point. I haven't really thought about that. I, that's why I said it's one to reflect on because I just give you an example. I walked into to the elevator just now to go somewhere, and I asked a person. I said, "Did you, are you going to the ground floor?" And at first, you could see that he's looking to the side, but he wasn't sure whether to answer or not. This is nothing to do with introversion, extroversion, but it's about being busy on that screen and communicating behind there. Um, how do we still, that's why I said, bridge the narrative of communication of being an introvert and extroversion. And because there's so many of us having different opinions, different voices, what would be one thing we could take away from it? All of us, we could all take away. It's a great question. I guess just making sure that we don't lose the human factor of it, or even if we are online more and behind our screen, just remembering that there is another person behind that screen and still interacting with people just in your life as well, not just always being behind the screen. So what's that one great tip that you can share of communicating online between introverts and extroverts? What's that one tip that you would want to leave the audience behind with? <laughs> I think just getting to know each other better. Like, for example, that presentation slide I mentioned, like just writing about yourself, talking about that with, well, that's more in the, the work setting, I guess. But if you wanted to get to know your colleagues better, yeah. Just making sure that we continue to maintain the, the human um, aspect of it and just remember learning more about the other people you're interacting with. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Befriend Your Mind. I hope you found it inspirational and received valuable insights on how to apply it in your daily life. If you enjoyed it, please hit subscribe if you haven't already and share it with your friends and loved ones. Together, let's spread the message of equanimity and embrace diversity of thought to approach our relationships with openness and compassion. Until the next time, stay curious, stay open, and keep befriending your mind. I'm your host, Kirti, signing off. Take care.